Good afternoon and happy Father's Day from the racing capital of the world, Speedway, Indiana. My name is Nick Sturgeon, your host. Thank you for listening to episode number 53 of the Cyber.Now podcast, your very number one spot for learning about tech, cybersecurity, politics, and policy. I want to thank our show sponsor, Delta Research. I cannot thank them enough for their continued support. I also want to thank all of you who are listening to this episode right now for taking time out of your day. Time is the number one resource that we do not get back and are not guaranteed. I really appreciate you spending that valuable resource on this podcast. For those of you who are first-time listeners, thank you for tuning in. It is my goal to keep you coming back week in and week out. If you are a returning listener, your continued support is so very much appreciated. Outside of listening, I ask only a couple of simple things, and that's if you find this show's content valuable. Please share the show with your network, subscribe, rate, review, and go sign up for the mailing list at cybernowpod.com for the latest news, insights, and behind-the-scenes information. And while you're at it, Go to our Facebook page, CyberNowPod, subscribe, sign up, uh, join it. Also, you can join the private Facebook group there. You can also follow us on Twitter at CyberNowPod, Instagram, CyberNowPod, and you can follow us on Podbean at CyberNowPod. Now, this week, and this is something that I've been thinking about for a couple of months now, and that is, what is cyber philosophy? Again, this is a question that I have been asking myself over and over for the last couple of months, and is something that I am still wrestling with to this very day. I first started pondering on this topic of cyber philosophy when I began listening to a podcast on philosophy, and this was really several months ago, based on a recommendation of my two good buddies, who, by the way, we're getting ready to release our third episode of our podcast, Books Over Beer, so go check that out. Now, this other show based on philosophy has been around really since 2013 and currently has just over 130 episodes. Now, The show started off with the pre-Socratic philosophies, and every episode since then has been moving closer and closer to modern-day philosophies. I really do love the approach that the host has taken with this show. Part of that approach is that the host challenges the listeners to think and apply the philosophies that he just discussed in each episode to our own personal ways of thinking. In addition to that challenge, and through the episodes that I have been able to get up to at this point in time, it is very clear, and even something the host has highlighted during the episodes, that throughout our history, and that is the human history, and at least what has been documented since we as a species have had the ability to communicate through writing, there is a common thread in what forced significant changes to the philosophical thinking that he has gone through 
to that those various points in history. Much of what has driven these philosophical changes has been due to major political and social events. I mean, they're tied to, again, some very major points in our human history. These common occurrences can be found back in ancient Greece, in ancient Rome, China, up through the Middle Ages in Europe, and even what is now the United States, going back to the founding of our country. Time and time again, there are links between what was happening in society and the political system, because the two are really interlinked, being the social norms and what we think of society and our political systems, and tied again to those different points throughout history. So, after listening to this show for the past couple of months, it has naturally forced me to think about the world as it stands today. I do believe we are in what I think is one of those socio-political points and changes that will introduce a completely new moral, ethical, political, and societal way of thinking. The current political climate is just not limited to what is happening here in the United States, but all across the world. When you include what is happening in the United Kingdom with Brexit, and that's the exit of the UK from the European Union, if you're not up to speed on what's going on there, you look at the financial struggles of France, Greece, and other European countries. There's also the nonstop tensions in the Middle East, which I know the U.S. is uh, very well involved in. We have the growing and exponentially increasing populations across the world, India, China, other countries in Asia. And we cannot forget about the growing threat of nuclear arms in North Korea and even the threat of non-nation states gaining control of or developing their own nuclear arsenal. Whether it is the tensions between global powers of Russia, China, and the U.S., it seems we are one spark from the next world war or next global conflict. What makes what is happening today interesting and by far much more complicated is the fact the world is more connected than it has ever been before via the internet. The internet introduces a whole new layer of complexities that the human race has never had to deal with before. On one hand, there are old issues per se that are tied to human beings being humans. On the other hand, there are a whole new set of brand new issues that are as a result of technology. On my podcast, I have previously talked about how the legal construct and legal system would look in a cyber slash digital world. In these tense and tumultuous times, coupled with this brand new cyber age, we are almost certain to see new philosophies, new forms of government, and or social contracts form. I do want to be clear, on the timescale of human history, we are still at the genesis of this cyber age. Now, as the political and social paradigms shift from what has been traditional norms to whatever it ends up being, how will cyber play into 
how these new philosophies will be created, developed, and either accepted, rejected, or assimilated into the old systems. More narrowly focused, what philosophies will be created in the use of cyber in our lives? And that's the entire span. Work, political, social, doesn't matter. The entire and full aspect of our lives. From a legal or political standpoint, currently our leaders are struggling to even understand basically just every facet of how cyber plays into the legal and political systems of our governments. That's the U.S., that's in Europe, Russia, China, and we're seeing in each of these different countries how technology is being used to support those legal systems. Here in the U.S., our founding fathers had extreme foresight to see how governments would ultimately turn against the people they were supposed to help and protect. So they placed controls on government within the U.S. Constitution. I don't think, however, that they would have ever dreamed of technology being what it is today. Again, at least here in the U.S., our system of government is deliberately slow. By design, the controls are set to ultimately keep Congress, the President, and even the Supreme Court from hastily acting and to keep the government from enacting laws or regulations that, once in place, would be extremely difficult to remove, extremely harmful to the citizens, or giving them, they, the government, more control than what was allowed in the Constitution. This deliberately slow process is in complete contrast to what we have seen with how fast technology is advancing and, in some cases, completely revolutionary uses that the specific or that developed technology has introduced. Now, I'm assuming most of you, even if you're brand new to this show, know of the threats that technology has introduced. We look at the hacks, if you will, the data breaches that companies are experiencing pretty much on a daily basis at this point. And it's this specific topic that I'm getting ready to jump into. It's something that we've talked about before, but it's a good example of applying a system of the legal system that we currently have from the physical standpoint to cybersecurity. And that is the topic of hacking back. Now, currently, companies are not allowed to really do any other defense with or against a cyber attack that goes beyond the border of or boundaries of their network. Because if they were to, even in a defensive standpoint, do something outside of their network, it would be a violation of current federal and or state law. And I really do think this, the timing of this article from The Hill, and also there's another one that is talking about um, this law from a, a legal, well, from a lawyer standpoint, obviously from a legal standpoint. But um, I think the, the article from thehill.com is a little bit 
more consumable by most people uh, whereas the other one uh, is definitely more for those interested in the specifics of the law. Uh, so I'll jump into this one by the Hill, and this one's from Maggie Miller. It says, a bipartisan pair of lawmakers seeking to enable companies to defend themselves in cyberspace. The Active Cyber Defense Certainty Act introduced Thursday by Reps Tom Graves, a Republican from Georgia, and Josh Gothheimer, a Democrat from New Jersey, would allow companies and individuals to leave their own networks and defend against malicious actors seeking to attack them. The bill would allow authorized individuals and companies to go onto other networks in order to establish who is attacking them online, to disrupt a cyber attack as it is occurring, to retrieve or destroy stolen files, to utilize beaconing technology, and to monitor the behavior of the malicious actor. Quote, technology has outpaced public policy and our laws need to catch up, end quote, Graves said in a statement. We must continue working together towards the day when it is the norm, not the exception for criminal hackers to be identified and held accountable for their crimes. The legislation would also require these individuals and companies to notify the FBI's National Cyber Investigations Joint Task Force and receive a response before being allowed to take any of the defensive steps. Now, I don't agree with this part of the law. Time is of a factor. Depending on how responsive the FBI is and this joint task force is, the attack may be over and the damage already done. So it's things like this last statement. When I go or that really go to the point of how slow and deliberate the government is. Now, some of it's even more bureaucratic than it needs to be. And that mix, that, that contrast of how fast technology is moving versus the government, you see where that does not mix. It causes friction and it causes uh, pain points for us as individuals and companies. The measure in the bill would involve updating the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, the CFAA, with Graves' office describing these changes as constituting, quote, the most significant update to the CFAA since its enactment, end quote. This law was enacted in 1984 and limits unauthorized access to computer systems. The bill notes privacy concerns that could be raised by allowing individuals and companies access to other systems by prohibiting vigilantism, well, because, you know, the government has a monopoly on law enforcement, don't you know? <laughs> uh, physical damage to other systems and the destruction of information beyond what is stolen. Now, those are legitimate concerns because a IP that is attacking you may not belong to the attacker. It could be a botnet that is assigned, or, which, let me, I step back. Um, a second here to explain what a bot is. A bot is a computer or a system that has been taken over by a hacker. And in most cases, the individual who owns the computer doesn't even know that their computer has been taken over. 
So that computer could belong to your grandma. It could belong to you. It could be your toaster oven if you have one of those smart toaster ovens or a smart refrigerator or any smart device in your house. So the concern is if company A decides to be able to, or it has the right to be able to attack back or hack back and the attacking system is a part of a botnet that you unbeknownst again to anything that is going off may have some of your property damaged now from the libertarian standpoint a whole sleuth or slew of issues are introduced because of that so again i don't disagree with the concerns about hacking back but these are the things that I'm, I'm really trying to get into in this cyber philosophy from the social and political and legal standpoints. Again, I, I cannot stress it enough. The philosophical ponderings that I have are, are completely realized in this article. It, I mean, it, it, again, the timing of this article is great. I love it. Anyway, um, let me finish this article up here. Says Graves' office noted in a document detailing the bill that if a defender behaves improperly or recklessly, they will still bear the full penalty of existing law. The legislation was introduced during the last Congress, but not, uh, but did not see action. It has 15 bipartisan co-sponsors beyond the two main main sponsors. Gothammer noted that uh, in a statement that quote, "There's nothing." partisan about protecting our families and businesses from these cyber actors. But beyond just this self-defense component, which in the U.S. legal system, self-defense and protecting yourself is a very core component of our rights as individuals and as companies. But you can see the complexities and there there's a lot here to still unpack and to get into we have in addition to the self-defense we have the ethical uses of technology there's the angle as well of companies developing safe and secure products but we also have the individual responsibility of knowing what products we're buying what just informing ourselves completely on the risk of introducing these products into our homes, our lives, and our businesses. To be transparent, I know I'm not the only person thinking about this sort of thing. I know of scholars that have been talking about this for years, that have books and papers and articles on this, but it's not been in the mainstream yet. We're slowly starting to see that. But just as my earlier kind of monologue talked about is really we are on the cusp of something that we may not, or those alive may not see the fruition of, or may not see it come to fruition in our lifetimes. If you even look back to Socrates or look at the early Stoic, Stoics, or you look at John Locke or Thomas Hobbes, the impacts of their philo philosophical thinking really weren't realized until potentially 10, 20, or 
you know, even a hundred years after they lived. At least to me, this is a fascinating topic. It's something that, again, I've been thinking on for a while now. Just even how to express it, communicate it in a way that makes sense. And for those of you who are new to this show, I do use this show as a platform for me to really verbalize, literally and figuratively, my thoughts on different topics. Basically, am I uh, thinking like a madman? Am I thinking rationally or sanely? And just to be able to get it out there and hopefully cause some interaction with you, the listener, and really try to refine my thinking. Not to say that I have it right. I could be completely off and left field. Who knows? But hey, that's where I am right now. I'm not above being told and even taking feedback to say, hey, you're completely off base. You're complete Looney Tunes. And this is why. That's fine. If you want to have those dialogues with me, please email me. Find me on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, wherever. and Let's have this conversation. What do you think about it? I want to challenge you all to think about what is your cyber philosophy? What are the morals and ethical standards that you would like to see when it comes to interacting with other people, interacting with our government? Do you think that our current system of government, whether it's capitalism as we see it in the US or some sort of socialist standpoint in you know various other countries russia china uh and even communism in those countries like china or north korea what is your cyber philosophy do you even have one if not why i really want to challenge you and force you to think about these things because it does have a direct impact in your life at home and work so it is important all right, we'll end it there. That's it for this week's show, you guys. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to our show sponsor, Delta Research, for supporting us. Again, if you want to join in on the conversation, go to the show's webpage at cybernowpod.com. Reach us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and another number of social media platforms. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Polititech or email me directly at nick at the Finally, if you think the show is worthy, go to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform to subscribe, rate, review, and don't forget to share the show. If you guys do all of that, I will be back again next week to do this thing once more. Until then... Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.